Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. We're talking this month about the good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose for us. And I titled my message this morning, Rewrite. And I want to read to you from the message version from Psalm 18, 20 to 24. And this is probably my favorite psalm in the entire book of Psalms. And it says this, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the way he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. And I want to focus on this next line. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. What a cool line. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. I, I read the newsletter this week. And it had, and I'll just grab it. And, and as I read it, there's a line there that really jumped out to me in it. And it said this, What is the good news that overflows from your heart? And I took that as, what's the message that people get from me in my life? And I would hope, because this is the thing that I believe, and, and I would hope it would be this, that it doesn't matter where we start in life. It doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't matter the starting point of our life or our upbringing or anything like that. That What matters is once God gets hold of our life, once we give Him Lordship and let Him come into our life, in that place, God can use us to do anything. The start point not, might not be very great, but the finish point's going to be awesome. That is what I hope my life would be. And I think, I think that by the time I get to the end of my life, which is I hope is 112 years old, and I'm still walking around playing footy with my son and my grandson, and maybe my great-grandson, yes, I'd have to be that old to get a great-grandson, because we started a bit late. But I would hope that is the message that people look at my life and see all the way through. As that it would be, as David put it, that God rewrites the text of our life. If you look at my life, before I got saved, the text of my life would have said loser, socially awkward, lacks confidence, no purpose. But then I had an encounter with God and it changed everything. It changed who I was. And God started at that moment, started to rewrite the text of my life. And from that point to where I am now, God has started to speak into my life and said, I'm going to use you to be a leader. I'm going to use you to speak. God's given me confidence. God's given me peace. God's given me joy. God's given me hope for the future. So the, the, the text of my life has changed from it used to be here, God, now it's here. If we have a look in the Bible, I think the best story that illustrates this is the story of Moses. You might know the story at the time, you'll read it in Exodus at the time, uh, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt is trying to kill off all of the 
Hebrews because he's scared that they're getting too big. So he makes this law that every male that's born must be thrown into the Nile. But, but Moses' parents loved Moses too much. They hid him for a while, but when they could hide him no longer, they put him in a basket. They sent him down the Nile. He was found by Pharaoh's daughter, came in, he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. I heard it said that, that Moses was rejected because he, he was rejected by the Egyptians because he was too Hebrew, and he was rejected by the Hebrews because he was too Egyptian. He lived in this place of couldn't fit in anywhere. Then one day, because I believe God put it in his heart, or from the moment that he was born, God had placed in him this desire to be a deliverer. It says one day he was out in the field and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And so he took it into his own hands. He killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, covered it all up, patted it down. He thought he'd got away with it, walked away until the next day when he saw two Hebrews fighting. He said, what are you doing? Why are you fighting? They said to him, they said, what are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? He runs off, scared. Goes and lives in another country in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you see this, the, the text, the script that was on his life, the words that he would have spoke over his world? They were orphaned, abandoned, rejected, murderer, coward, because he ran instead of facing the heat. But then he has an encounter with God, and God says, I've called you to be a rescuer of my people. I've heard their cry, and I'm going to use you. What an awesome God we serve, that no matter what we do, no matter where we've been, God steps into our circumstances, and he changes the text over our life. He takes us from all those words that we speak, all the things that happen to us, and he comes in in a moment and he changes the way we see ourselves. He starts to speak great things over our life. Renee and I have a friend. She used to be a high-class prostitute, but God came into her life and now they own a business, a very successful business. She's a great mum. And she's a pastor. And you can see God made the difference in her life. Just as I was preparing, I was reminded of my report cards. Because a couple of weeks ago, I was looking for my birth certificate. And I found Renee's and my birth certificates, not birth certificates, report cards. And I thought, this is a great illustration for what God does. And let me read to you my report cards. And then we're going to read Renee's. This is grade eight. So I was in grade eight in 1994. Wow, I'm old. And Renee was in grade eight in 1995. So same, same year. This is a report card. Jason still has huge trouble organizing himself. Example, did not have a ruler or a calculator for the exam. That's important in maths, isn't it? To have a calculator and a ruler for... There's a, there was a pattern. It never changed all through high school. Here's another one. Jason's biggest problem is the lack of attention and poor organization. He needs almost constant reminding to get back to work. My, my, I need glasses. Rarely has the equipment needed, page in the textbook, etc. Let me have a look. Jason has put in little effort with his assignments 
which has resulted in him achieving a limited achievement. There's another one here. Jason can be disruptive in class. That was always in every report card. Jason disrupts the learning of others. What, is there anything else here? No, that'll do for that one. So you can see me. Here's Renee's. All right, I read this and I went, wow. Renee is working very well in this subject. Renee is a quiet, polite, and hardworking student who enjoys this subject and works hard all the time. Renee is a delightful student who works very well. What an excellent student Renee is, and what an excellent role model for other students to follow. You can't live up to that, can you? A role model for other students to follow. <laughs> That's right. Renee is a quiet student who works well and really enjoys her cooking. Oh, that's like the others. That one's pr- pretty similar. Renee, Renee is working very hard in music. Renee has worked very well this term. Keep up the good effort, Renee. See? So, I couldn't... Now, I'd love to have been able to get up here with a report card of mine that was terrible and a report card that was really good to show you the difference and a parallel, but I just couldn't find one. So let's... And I never would have been able to. That, that is not the worst report card I ever got. The worst one I had was grade nine, and I tell you, it was terrible. But, so let's pretend that both those report cards were mine to help with my illustration. That's what God does. He changes who we are. He changes the text of our life. He changes our report card. He changes... So when you, when you take your report card home, mum and dad read it and they get a picture of who you are at school. Well, this changes when we have an encounter with God, when we make Him Lord of our life. It changes the way He sees us and who we become. Because as a parent sees their kids, so they become. I think that's pretty cool. If I speak great words over my kids, my son's going to become that. If I say you're hopeless, useless, da-da-da, he'll become that. What an awesome God we serve. And one of the ways I think that God changes us is through encounters with Him. If we have a look on the Bible, Jacob. Jacob's a deceiver. He's manipulating people all the time. He, he's doing stuff always for his own advantage. He's got this picture of himself, and it, and it goes back to when his dad played favorites. His dad, Isaac, played favorites. His favorite son was Esau, and he wanted to give everything to Esau, and he, he left his other son out, and, and so he started to live that way. But then one day he has an encounter with God on the bank of a river, and he wrestles with God. The greatest WWF match in the history of the world, he has this, and, and God... God realizes, hey, Jacob's not going to let me go, so he blesses him. The Bible says he touched him on the hip, it disjointed, and then he changed his name. He said, your name was Jacob, but now is Israel. In other words, he's saying, you're a prince of God, because Israel means prince of God. In Abraham, his name used to be Abram, and Abram's got no kids, but his greatest desire in life is to have children. God comes and gives him a promise. He says, hey, I'm, I'm going to take you to a land, and I'm going to give it to you. It's an amazing land. It's going to be, it's going to be an awesome land, and, and it's going to be amazing. But Abraham says to him, he says, yeah, that's, that's all great, but what's it all worth if I don't have a son? 
And Abram means exalted father, which is crazy because he's got no kids. So God then changes his name. He says, okay, your name's going to be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And so his whole idea of how he sees himself in that encounter with God changes, and it changes his future. It changes his life. It changes the text over his life, and he becomes someone he didn't used to be. If you have a look at the life of Paul, I think the life of Paul is an amazing story. He, he was Saul, and if you have a look, he's killing the church. He, he's, chasing, he's trying to put the church in prison, all the Christians in prison, because he's a Jewish person who has such zeal for the Jewish faith that he thinks that this Christianity is a cult, and he's trying to, and he's trying to put them all in jail. And one day he's walking to, to Damascus with letters from the priest so that he could put... More and more Christians in jail. It actually says that when they put another Christian, Stephen, to death, he was standing on the sideline holding their coats and approving of his death. But as he's walking, Jesus speaks to him from the sky and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? It's me, Jesus, whom you persecute. The Bible says he goes blind. A guy comes along, prays for him. Once he goes into, his, into the town that he had to go to, guy prays for him, he gets his eyesight back. But in that moment, Saul goes from Christian killer to church planner. He, the script of his life changes. The text of his life changes because he has an encounter with God. The script over my life changed, and, and I can sit there and I can, I can tell you, probably the, 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 the moments in my life that were most important came from an encounter with God. There's a time I got saved. I became a Christian for the first time, sitting in my mum's room, room, reading her Bible. Jesus showed me that I actually needed him. I, I believed in him. I believed he was real, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't have him as my savior. And in that moment, it was revealed to me, you actually need me as your savior. You actually need to have a relationship with me. It's not enough just to believe in me. You've got to have a relationship. That changed my life forever. In that one moment, I said, okay, Jesus, I... I give my life to you. I, I repent of all the sins I've ever done. I repent of all those things, and I, and I need you. Change my life. The other next big moment in my life was when I was walking down the street, and I said to God, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And he spoke. He said, I want you to be a pastor. It changed the script of my life. I was just walking around aimlessly. Now I've got purpose. Another moment in my life that I could tell you was, I was messing things up. I had a dream to be a pastor. I've shared with you in the past where there were all these leadership positions that I really wanted. I even tried it. I even tried. I thought, hey, it'd be good to be the music director, even though I couldn't play an instrument or sing. I just wanted a leadership position in the church because I had a dream. And I kept missing out. And because I kept missing out, my heart started to go bad. And there's this other guy who was a Christian in the town that also had a problem with leadership. And I started talking to him about my disagreements having leadership. I started bad-mouthing my pastor with him and telling him about how bad things were and why wasn't he picking me and I could do amazing things. And I was about to mess everything up in my life. And I remember I went to a men's camp and, and this is the only time in my life when uh, once... When the Holy Spirit has actually smashed me so much that I can't get up off the ground. I was standing there, I came up for prayer, got prayed for, I went down, I shaved, you know, the Holy Spirit was really moving. And, and I can't exactly tell you, he didn't really say anything to me. 
He didn't really, I couldn't tell you that he actually changed anything, but something happened in my heart that day and it changed who I was. I, I stopped doing those things because of an encounter with God. And then, again, then I was spending time with God a little bit later on. And God spoke to me from 1 Samuel because, again, I kept missing out on positions. And God spoke to me. He said, Jason, you know what? Look at David. David was overlooked by his own dad. When Samuel turned up and he said, hey, I'm going to anoint the next king, Jesse actually got every single son in except for David, but I picked David. You've just got to get your heart right. You've just got to grow, and I'll look after the rest. In that moment, it changed the trajectory of my life. And there's other things God spoke to me over time. Again, when Renee and I didn't have a kid, and we really wanted one really bad, it was when I was spending time in his presence that God said to me, you'll have a son. He's going to have an awesome job. I said, thank you, God. And it changed the script of our life. We went from being just a couple to being a family and being parents. What we need is encounters with God. That's what changes the text over our life. That's what changes who we are. I, I, I like the story of Samson. If you ever look at the story of Samson, Samson's there. And Samson's amazingly gifted. He's amazingly talented. God's anointed him to rescue his people from the Philistines. Every time the anointing came on him, he had superpower. There's different stories where he, he took, took down 30 men. In another place, he destroyed a thousand men just with the jawbone of a donkey. I'd love to have seen that moment. There's another part where it says he tore a lion in half with his bare hands. It's just like someone tears a goat in half. You ever read that and God, man, I've no idea what that is. Oh, now I know. Like, like someone would tear a goat in half. Uh, yeah, I see it. I couldn't even tear a chicken in half with my bare hands, I don't think. But he was powerful, he was anointed, he was gifted, he was talented. He had so many things messed up in his life, though, because he, he, he was interested. He had weaknesses like after women and he wanted stuff. We've all got weaknesses, we've all got stuff. I think the biggest problem in Samson's life wasn't that he had issues in his life, it was the fact that he'd never had an encounter with God. His parents had. His parents said, your son's going to do this, but he never had an encounter with God. When I read the story, I don't even see him talking to God. Yet he's doing all these amazing things. And then the story is, because he's been uh, blindsided by Delilah, because he was betrayed, they gouged out his eyes. They sent him off as a slave because he'd lost his strength, because he had his hair cut off. And then one day, they're, they're having this massive feast of Philistines and their god, Dagon, who is no god at all. They put him in, a t they put him in the temple. There says this one moment, they chain him from the, to the main pillars because they're making sport of him. They're making fun of him. And in that moment, Samson says, God, just give me my strength back one more time. The anointing comes on him and he just breaks the, the, the pillars apart, comes down. The Bible says in that one moment, he, he, just, he killed more Philistines than in, in the rest of his life combined. And I, and I realized in that one moment, we will do more with God in our life when we speak to God, when we get in His presence, than we'll ever do before that. Than we'll ever do with our gifts and our talents. What matters is when we speak to God. That's when He changes who we are. Samson redeemed his life because of a relationship with God. He's famous for that. Because he started talking to God. 
So let's spend time with God. Let's make room in our life for God. Let's get in our room and read our Bible. Let's pray. Let's be real with God. The second thing is this. The other thing I believe that's really important is encounters with people. I can tell you in my life, the things that have changed me, the things that have changed who I am and where I'm going is because I allowed people to speak into my life. I allowed people to get close to me. There's my first pastor, Pastor Steve. And he gave me an opportunity to be a part, to be the youth leader in our church when no one else would have given me a go. I was raw. I had no idea what I was doing. We had three young people turning up, and even I wouldn't have wanted to be there. But he gave me a go, and he stuck with me, and he spoke words of encouragement into my life. Then there was Pastor Dwayne when I came here, who took the place of a spiritual dad in my life because I didn't really have a dad, and he started to speak to me about the things that dad speak to a son, which I'd never had in my life, and that changed me again. That changed the script over my life because I had a father figure speaking into who I am as a person. Now there's our pastors now, Pastor John and Pastor Helen, who, are, who, who Renee and I allow to speak into our life because we need what they've got. And, and we, we see an amazing thing on their life. We're learning some great things about them, like loving people. We think it's amazing when, oh, well, when, I was, when we had the, um, Pastor Faileen here, and you could tell Pastor John and Pastor Helen were so happy for the words that people were getting. And I learned something from that. And when my life is, when I've got things going on in my life, I can just go to Pastor John, I can talk to him about it and have his grace over my life. And it changes who I am. It changes the script of who I am as a person. If you look in the Bible, there's so many examples of it. I want to read you a Bible verse from Acts. It's, it's It's about Paul and a guy named Timothy. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jew, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. This speaks to me because my dad's a Greek, my mum's a Christian, and so is my grandma, just like Timothy. And if you have a look at Timothy's life, Timothy's in a place, it's not a bad place, but it's like he's in a rut. People speak well of him, that's good. But at the moment, he's just living here. But because a guy named Paul came into his life and started to impart into his life, when you look at the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he's now a church leader. He's now a pastor of his own church. See, when you allow someone to speak into your life, it takes you to levels that you could not be. Maybe you talk to a mum or a dad to teach you about how to be a better mum or dad. Maybe you talk to the principal because you've got a dream to be the principal. Say, hey, teach me about being a principal. Teach me about being a leader. Maybe you're, you, you, you want to be a pastor or an evangelist. Find someone who could speak into your life so that the text of your life gets changed. Then you've got a guy by the name of Elisha with an S. And he is just a farmer. Now, not just a farmer. He's a farmer. Okay, farmers are cool. But for him, he's a farmer. I shouldn't have said just because a farmer is a really cool job. Just not for me. I've done banana farming and cane farming. It wasn't for me. And in that moment, there's this point where Elijah comes 
and he puts his robe around Elisha, which is him calling him to being a prophet. And Elisha follows Elijah, and he's no longer a farmer, he's now a prophet. And if you read the Bible, he does double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Because, because you see, Elijah invested into Elisha's life. He imparted what he had into his life. All through the Bible, you can see example after example after example of God doing that. Getting someone to speak into someone else's life. Getting someone else to grab someone and take them with them in your life. My question to you today is this. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who are, you, who are you being real with? Going to them saying, these are the struggles in my life. This is, this, is, this is my dream, but these are the things that keep pulling me back. Who are those people? People you can trust. People who won't tell other people about your weaknesses. People who will be praying for you and believing for you and speaking words of encouragement over the life. Who have you got that you can ask to be that person in your life? Do you have someone? And if not, why don't you think about it in this next week? doing that, going up to someone and saying, hey, I'd like to catch up with you for a coffee and and get you to speak into my world. There's people that I catch up with, take them for coffee, hang out with them, not coffee, I don't like coffee, probably breakfast. Breakfast. And I sit down with them and, and I try and be real with them. I talk to them about ministry and life. And I'm looking forward to the day when I'm really old, And I look back and I see the amazing things they're doing in their life and I just play just a small part. Because that's our legacy. That's our our trophy that we hold up. Not how good we were, but what the people that we spoke into did. And, and, And you don't know the difference you could make in somebody's life. All throughout our church, all throughout our community, people are looking for mums and dads, big brothers, little, big sisters. People just love on them and care for them and want to know them more and more. That's the one thing that I think really changed my life is that I went to church. I got involved in church because God wants to make us into a community. If you have a look at the Bible, Jesus healed people of leprosy. People with leprosy couldn't be part of their community, couldn't go into the synagogue because they were unclean. He healed them. Now they're part of their community again. Now they can go back into the synagogue. Blind Bartimaeus, same thing. He couldn't do that either. He couldn't be part of the community. He had to rely on other people. Jesus heals him. Boom, he's part of the community. He can now go to the synagogue. He can now be part of church. The high, you know, when Jesus is being arrested and that guy comes with the, the guy comes and Peter, he's real angry, so he gets his sword and he cuts the ear off the, the guard. And Jesus sees it. He says, hey, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. He, and then he comes down, he picks up the ear, brushes the dirt off it, blows on it, puts it back on the guard's ear. The reason he did that is because with that ear missing, that guard could no longer be part of the temple. He was restoring him back to community. Be involved in church. Have people speaking into your life because it changes the text of your world. It changes who you are. And the last thing is this. It's about our heart. 
I, I went and I visited my pop a little while back, and my pop's got some health issues. And when I went and hung out with him, he gave me a football all signed by the Broncos back in about 90, 90, either 88 or 92, and he gave me, they said, that's yours. And, but the guy I was talking to was this loving, gentle, caring guy. I said, who are you? I, I don't know this guy. And just a little while back, he lost his wife, my nan. And I thought to myself, man, I wish I had this granddad always. And, and you get that. And I go, maybe if you were like this, my dad would have been different. And we, not a good place to go, but that's what I thought. And I think my pop is being the guy right now, because of regret, he's being the guy he, wish he wishes he always was. And he's doing it now because he knows his time's getting short. But the cool thing is that with God, we don't have to wait till we get old to become the person we, we know we were created to be, the person we wish we were. We can do that now. If I could get the band up, please. Oh, no, wait, wait there, wait there. Hang on. Sorry, too quick. And, um, sorry about that. And so, but God is about the heart. If you ever look at Moses, Moses gets there, and when God calls him, he's got all the excuses in the world. He says, hey, what if they don't listen to me? So then he says, well, throw your, throw your snake on the ground, and he doesn't, God shows me, cool, God's going to be there. He says, then he says, and I see them as all excuses. He says, yeah, yeah, but, but what if they don't know who you are? He says, tell them I am. In other words, every circumstance you need, I am enough. I am sufficient. I am cool. I am. He says, yeah, but God, I can't speak good. And he says, who gives man his mouth? And I love the thought. And I, and I think this is true. I think God in that moment says, you know what? I can work with this. Because God doesn't work with, with perfect people. He works with people that have an open heart. He works with people who are real. And I like what David says in that moment. He says, God, you rewrote the text of my life when I opened up the heart, the book of my heart to your eyes. If I get the band now, please. If I, I opened up the book of my heart to your eyes. When you go into a new business, if you're, the, if you're the new business owner, you go into a business, what do you do? You get the old business to open up their books. There's not a secret. There's nothing hiding. There's nothing in there that's going to, so that you could see every single thing that the business has made, the profit, the loss, every single thing. Yet when we become Christians, when we give our life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, why is it that we, we sort of only open up a little bit of our heart? God, my heart's yours, but these little bits, these unforgiveness, this hurt, this pain, the things that have happened to me, God, that's, I'm not giving you that bit. I'm going to hold on to that. See, I like what Pastor Zoran said about David when he was in the cave of Abdullam a couple of weeks ago, where he says, in that moment, everything's messed up, but he poured out his heart to God. He's wondering, God, what are you doing in my life? You've given me these promises, but what are you doing? You see, God wants to heal our whole heart. He wants our whole heart. Mark 3, 2, 5 says this, as Jesus is preaching in the synagogue. 
Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, the people who are trying to accuse him, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Those other guys, that man with the shriveled hand, he got something amazing from God that day. But those other guys, God's trying to pour into their life. Jesus is trying to speak to them about who God is and the kingdom of God. And in that moment, their heart is hard and God can't pour into them in that moment. Jesus shakes his head, not because he's, he doesn't like them, but because, hey guys, you're missing out. Imagine what your life could be if you just opened up your heart to me. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.